All right, so we're going to start uh, part two today of what's new. Raise your hand if you were here last week and you heard part one. All right, very good. So part two on what's new is wrapped around the idea of, okay, it's a new year. And we look at each other and we're like, happy new year. How many of you stayed up till midnight? Come on, let me see who you are. Wow. I was up till midnight, but I wasn't happy about it. Just, just so you know. But, uh, if, it, when we have a happy new year, we're looking at each other and going, happy new year. And I'm just backing up and I'm like, what's so happy about it? You know, you change the calendar over. Whoop dee. Right? Like, what is new? About a new year. Well, for a lot of people, nothing except a new set of checks. Um, but for people who choose to have a new year, they have something new that they can be happy about. Now, the whole idea of a new year implies that there's something about your life that is in the old year that you're leaving back in that year. And, and I want to uh, say that many of us have these tormenting spirits that tormented us last year. And I want to say that they're not welcome, just to speak on behalf of yourself, they're not welcome in your life this year. Someone say yes. Okay. Let me define what a tormenting spirit is. A tormenting spirit is a spirit that not only will it not leave you alone, but it constantly comes back. It's constantly coming back. Let me read a scripture just to give it some, uh, some foundation. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. It says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. These are tormenting spirits. Let me use the same example, personal example, that I used last week, um, just to catch everyone up if you weren't here. Uh, the tormenting spirit that torments me most often of all of them, and there's so many of them, I'm going to give you different examples, is a tormenting spirit of anger. So let me illustrate. If I get angry at someone, now I'm half Brazilian, half Italian. That is a cocktail mix for passion, okay? And so when somebody makes me angry... It, it doesn't just roll off my back like a like a, a, a ball of water. You know, some people are like, that really makes me angry. <laughs> I'm like, well, then yell. <laughs> Throw something. Um, <laughs> right? Uh, it's like, it is, you know what I'm talking about. The people are like, I am so mad right now. <laughs> That's mad? Let me show you mad. <laughs> That's mad. And so sometimes when I get angry, I'll be thinking about the person that I'm angry at in the car and they're not even there. Talking to them in my head. 
getting ready for my next conversation with them on all the things I'm going to say to them when I see them next. This, you're not like this, I know. Do you know anybody like this? <laughs> right? And so then I'll get distracted. I'll go eat lunch, and I'm no longer mad at that person. I'm not thinking about that person because I'm eating a, a Baja burrito. I get back in the car, and I start thinking about them again. And then I'll start thinking about them again. That is a tormenting spirit that just doesn't leave me alone. It just keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. Uh, if you're bitter at somebody, mad at somebody in the family, you can go on for years. I'm going to use a personal example in a minute where I was angry at somebody for four years. Four years up until about four days ago. Right? Everybody wants to tell a story of victory that happens when they were a kid, but nobody wants to tell a story that happened like yesterday, right? <laughs> you ever notice that? Um, but you get these tormenting spirits. Sometimes the spirit is not anger, it's lust. Like Job said this, I will make a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at any young woman. So a few days would go by, and maybe Job, if he had a tormenting spirit, he's like, man, I'm doing really good. I'm doing good. I'm doing so good. Like two days have gone by, and I haven't looked lustfully at anybody. And then all of a sudden, comes back around, and like five days straight, it's just like, hey, hey, hello, hey. It's that spirit comes back around. Am I teaching good or no? It comes back around. That's a tormenting spirit. Bitterness is a tormenting spirit. Um, lust, unforgiveness, gluttony is a tormenting spirit. Discord is a tormenting spirit. People will say, okay, I'm not going to talk bad about anybody. This is a new year. I'm not going to talk bad about anybody. I'm not going to talk bad about anybody. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, you did not. <laughs> And then, but people who talk bad about people are usually like, I'm looking for counsel. That's why I'm talking about it. Whatever. That's a tormenting spirit coming back around. So there's three ways that we can overcome these tormenting spirits. The first way that I want to talk to you about is giving. Giving. You can give your way out of a tormenting spirit. Now, all three points I'm going to give to you today is an action that is good and profitable. Because the Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Don't let an evil spirit conquer you, but conquer the evil by doing something good. You will feel in your heart what action is necessary to overcome that spirit. So let me uh, illustrate on, on why I'm using giving as point number one. I was 15 years old working at uh, uh, Fuddruckers in Normandy on the east side of Houston. Does anybody know where that is? All right. It's nothing like the woodlands. Just know that. Okay. <laughs> nothing like the woodlands. I went to North Shore High School. I used to live in these apartments called the Colorado Club. It was nothing like Colorado. Okay, um, and uh, my dad had this Bible that he had used the same Bible from the moment he got saved um, until this point in my life. So at least 15 years. It may have been 17 when he. So he got saved about two years before I was born. 
And he used only that Bible, which is unique because I've got like three or four, five, six different Bibles that I'm using all the time. But he uses only that Bible. And so the cover was worn off, the pages were ripped, the, the, the ink, uh, you know, but he just used only that Bible. Does anyone here have someone in their family that uses one Bible and it's just toe up, it's tore up? Just raise your hand. So uh, I remember I was 15 years old and, and my dad's birthday was coming up and I thought, I'm going to get this whole Bible recovered and remade. Now the internet didn't exist then. Even the online AOL. You remember that? Uh, that wasn't, they didn't come yet. That came my freshman year in college and I got my first email address and I was like, this is never going to work. Um, but anyway, uh, 15 years old, working at Fuddruckers, might have been 16. And uh, I was probably the top three most selfish kids in the country. Because I really thought the whole world revolved around me and everybody was constantly thinking about me. So I was very proud of myself that I was going to get my dad this present. I saved up the money. It was very expensive. I sent the Bible off. I paid the extra money to not get the synthetic leather because synthetic leather, if you bend it over and over again, the, the cover will stay curled. So I got the genuine black leather. It was a Thompson chain Bible. Sent it off, it came back, and my dad opened up the present. He pulled the, the Bible out of the box. He goes, you got me a new Bible. And I just stayed quiet, and he thumbed through it, and all of a sudden he goes, oh, he goes, how did you do this? All the ripped pages were taped together. It was just brand new. It was his. He says, thank you so much, Frankie. Thank you so much. And it was a great moment, and in my mind, I never told him this, but in my mind, I thought, one of these days, you're going to pass away, and I'm going to take the Bible, and I'm going to give it my son, and my son's going to have the Bible, we're going to pass it on, like, this is going to be cool. So, about four years ago, I'm sitting at the dinner table, it was, it was some type of holiday, a bunch of family was around, and somebody at the table said, well... Um, I asked for the Bible and I'm getting it. And I went, <laughs> what? Now, my dad was 59 at the time. I'm like, you don't get to ask for things 20 years before they die. <laughs> like, there, there's something illegal about that. And so I said, the Bible? Yeah! He said yes! And I'm like, the Thompson Chain Bible? Yeah. I said, let me tell you the story on that. <laughs> and, it's, and honestly, the comment was this. Well, that's a really cool story, but I'm still getting the Bible. And so I went back to my dad. And I said, Dad, so you gave the Bible away? He was like, yeah. And he goes, oh! Oh, no, that should be going to you. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I already told Luke I was giving it to him. Like, And so he goes, I don't know what to do. I was like, well, you're going to have to fix it. Like, 
And so he goes, I'll fix it, I'll fix it, I'll fix it. So four years has gone by, and every once in a while, this person in my family is like, man, I can't believe I'm getting the Bible. Four weeks ago, it came up again. Can't believe I'm getting the Bible. And so finally, about four weeks ago, then it started staying on my mind. Every single day. Now, it's been on my mind at least once a month since four years ago. (laughs) When he brought it up four weeks ago, it's on my mind every day. And in my mind, I'm talking to him and I'm building my case. I'm like, do you understand you weren't even alive when I got that Bible fixed? Do you understand that? Like, I'm building my case. I'm getting angry. I'm getting angry, 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 mad, mad. Allie's sitting in the car. What are you thinking about? Nothing. (laughs) Angry, 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 angry. And then all of a sudden I realized I got a tormenting spirit. This This is much bigger than the Bible now. Now all I'm doing is thinking about this jerk that stole from me. You see how now it's gotten real big, right? This jerk. And so all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I got to get rid of this. I got to stop it. I'm putting too much pressure on my dad. I hate this person in my family. This is getting out of hand. So I sent a text message to my dad and the person. I was like, hey, dad, I hope you don't die for a long, long time. But when you do, I think you should give him your Bible. That fast text message. Thank you so much from the guy. My dad text messaged me on a different thread and says, what are you doing? And I said, it's the right thing to do. Put the phone down. Put the phone over there. I walk away from the phone. (laughs) Even then and right now, this is how I feel. (sighs) Gosh, that feels so good. It's gone. It's gone. You can't take something if I gave it to you. You can't take something from me if I gave it to you. It is gone. It is gone. I don't think about that Bible anymore. The only reason why I'm thinking about it right now is it's a perfect example. That tormenting spirit has been tormenting me for four years and really put it in fifth gear over the last couple of weeks. Now that tormenting spirit has no control over me. It has no control. Why? I broke its back with a gift. Boom. I don't know what's going to happen to that Bible. He'll keep it. He'll give it to his kids. I hope. Praise the Lord. I don't even think about it. I've got other fish to fry. I've got bigger things to worry about. I got other things to do. That tormenting spirit has no power over me anymore. Second example. As sometimes it's not a gift that will break it. Sometimes it's not giving. It's forgiving. You you can carry this tormenting spirit around for a long time. The funny thing about being angry with somebody, and I, I know all of these emotions sound related, and they are. The funny thing about it is, is that when you lock the door of emotions towards one person, you lock the door towards everyone. Nobody can get as close as they used to be. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, My wife and I, from time to time, will have a very heated discussion. 
I mentioned the Brazilian-Italian thing, right? So I hate it when we get into a fight on a Friday or Saturday. Hate it. I really don't mind Monday and Tuesday. (laughs) Monday and Tuesday, I'm out for the victory. Friday and Saturday, I feel like she has an advantage because all she's got to do is just wait it out because she knows I'm going to come back and say sorry for everything that I did since I was two years old and she wasn't even around yet (laughs) because she knows that I know that on Sunday, I need my heart to be open and my ears to be open. And if I'm locked up against her, you can't, you can't just be locked up towards one person. You lock the door, it affects everyone. It's a spiritual thing. So if I'm angry with my wife, That anger, I am not going to be able to hear from God, feel from God, feel you, have compassion with you. Speaking, this is not a speech, right? Like I'm feeling you while I'm talking to you. I'm feeling God while I'm talking to God. I'm not following a script here. This is an organic thing that's happening. If I'm mad at my wife, this thing right here is over with. So I got to go back and say sorry to my wife and get this thing cleared up because I can't come up here and have this going on if I'm locked up to my wife. And let me just say to you that every morning you wake up, you have an assignment. Every morning you wake up, God's bringing people across your path. And that same thing is supposed to be happening with you where you catch them and you notice a little glimpse, a little flinch of their face and you go, there's something wrong, like you just caught it. There's something wrong. And now it's your responsibility to connect with God to figure out what is going on and how can I help this person? This is happening with you every single day. How many of you, you can see someone's expression, you go, something's wrong, something's wrong here. What do you think? God just gave you that gift just for fun? There's something going, he's trying to use you here. You're getting something from God and you're passing it back and forth. You're angry with one person. This right here shuts down. Bang. Watch it. I'm going to tell you a story that Jesus told. Jesus told a story about a king. And he had this particular man that owed him millions of dollars. You can read it in the New Living Translation. It says millions of dollars. It's in Matthew chapter 18. And the the young man came up and he said... If you don't give me the millions of dollars, if you don't give me what you owe me, you, your wife, your children, all of you are going into slavery. Starts crying, begging, please, 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 whatever you do, please. The king had compassion on him. And he forgave him of all of the debts. The guy was so thankful, cried, thank you so much. Just a short time later, the young man that owed so much money was walking down the street and he sees a guy who owes him money, a few thousand dollars. And he walks up and he grabs him by the throat and walks him backwards saying, give me my money, you dirty rotten, but give me my money. Someone saw the event. The story came back to the king. 
And the king calls him in. He says, I forgave you of much more than what this guy owes you. I forgave you of much. But you gave no forgiveness back. And Jesus goes on to tell the story that he arrested the man and delivered him to the tormentors to be tortured. Because Jesus told the story, the principles are far broader and far deeper than what's on the surface. What the Lord's telling us is, I have forgiven you of a lot. How many in this room, you don't need to raise your hand, would say, God has forgiven me of more than you'll ever know. He has forgiven me of things that I've thought about. He's forgiven me of things that I've felt. He's forgiven me of things that I've done. And that's why I love him so much, because he forgave me. And the Lord looks at you and goes, yes, and I'll do it again and again and again. But when somebody does something to you, I expect you to do the same. Now, if you don't, the Bible says that he will release you to the tormentors. Who are the tormentors? The tormentors, I want you to get this picture in your mind, that Jesus is holding back a pack of pit bulls. He's holding them back. They hate you. They're tormentors. They're straight from the pit of hell. And he's holding them back and goes, that's my daughter. That's my son. And the minute we stop forgiving people, it lets them go. And you know they're in the car with you when you can't stop thinking about how angry you are. And they'll give you a break. You'll go eat lunch, you get a break. You go to sleep, you get a break. But you wake up the next morning, they'll be right back. And you'll be thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. The tormentors. When you get tired of it, just know that you can break its back and send them all out of your house. All you have to do is do what God has done for you and forgive. Once you forgive, those dogs go running out. How do you break the back of a tormentor? Number one, sometimes it's a give. Number two, sometimes it's a forgive. Number three, sometimes it's just worshiping. See, when the Bible says that I love to come to his sanctuary because it's where his presence dwells. When you come walking into the sanctuary, you're not feeling the tormentors because his presence is here. So when you worship, his presence saturates the atmosphere. And when the atmosphere, when you're standing in his atmosphere, the tormentors can't come in. But when you leave Celebration Church and you get in the car, you get in the house, if that atmosphere is not like this atmosphere, you're not going to experience what you experience here. But what you experience here can happen anywhere just as long as what's done here is done there. So... When you experience a tormentor in your car and you say, this is no longer a 2011 Corolla. This is no longer a Ford Explorer. This is 
a sanctuary moving down the highway. And you begin to worship in the sanctuary. When you worship, you war. And every worry gets pushed away with worship. If you're worrying, start worshiping. The worry will run. That's what the Bible means when it says that He will give you a peace that passes understanding. Because you feel peaceful, but the problem is still there. I still owe the money. I still need a job. My son is still a knucklehead. The problem is still there. But it passes understanding. This is very confusing. The problem is still there. But I have peace. What in the world? This is a, it's a peace that passes understanding. And that happens when you worship. So when you worship God, that's what happens. So the tormenting spirit runs out of your home because now it's no longer a home. You've made it into a sanctuary. You, you've made your car into a sanctuary. So you want to break the tormentor. Sometimes it's giving. Sometimes it's forgiving. Sometimes it's worshiping. When I was in my office this morning, I got here before the sun came up. I was telling the Lord, they're not coming to see me. If they come here and all they get is some guy doing a speech, they're going to be very disappointed. Your presence has to be here. So how do I make sure that that happens? Well, before you ever get here, before you're even out of your bed, I'm saying, down the hall, I'm thinking about the 40,000 square feet of building. I got my eyes closed. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. There's a reason why I'm not the worship leader, because I can't sing like them. <laughs> but broken notes heal hearts. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You know what's interesting? Is I've been in church since before I was born. I was in my mother's belly. How many of you were in church before you were born? I was in my mother's belly. So I've heard songs my whole life, and I cannot get through any full song without forgetting the words, except for Jesus loves me. And so you know what that forces me to do is just kind of make it up. Or say the same sentence over and over again. But God's not listening to my words. He's listening to my heart. And when you call on him, he saturates the atmosphere. You are awesome in this place. And I'm in the office by myself. Mighty God. You are awesome in this place. Abba, Father. And then all of a sudden, the atmosphere begins to change. It's no longer an office. It's no longer a building. And the tormentors are on the run. Take that home with you. Walk into your house. There's nobody home. Everybody's sleeping. 
You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You will feel them begin to rise. Stand to your feet. Please.